Hello and welcome to another episode of AdventuresZoom.net. I'm Sean Claybo, your host, and today with your co-host, Caleb Wells. Hey, Caleb. I think I'm still a co-host, maybe. Yeah. Hey, how are you, Sean? Good, good. Did you yeah. hurt yourself? I see you're wearing a brace on your wrist. Uh, just, no, just being a developer, right? And sometimes my wrist just, you know, <laughs> aggravated or irritated. Carpal so tunnel? I wear this. Yeah. I don't know that I quite have carpal tunnel. I think I just overextended some. My wife actually had to get the, like, injection in her wrist. Oh. Like a month ago, because it was really bothering her. But, you know, we both, we both sit at a desk and keyboard all day, right? So, right, the price you pay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Typing, <laughs> typing is so strenuous on your body, I know. I, I am telling you, man. I, by the end of the day, I'm just worn out. I just need a nap. <laughs> okay, let's welcome in our guest today. Welcome, Johnny Olaf Lee. Hi, guys. Yeah. Evening, guys. Well, evening for me. Morning for you guys. Yes, yeah, so yeah, you're it's... you're in England, right? Or Great Britain. Yeah. Yeah, we... <laughs> yeah. So no, no, Great England, Great Britain. Yeah. Different things. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, in both of them at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood. I've been talking to a whole bunch of people that want to update their resume and find a better job. And I figure, well, why not just share my resume? So you, if you go to topendevs.com slash resume, enter your name and email address, then you'll get a copy of the resume that I use, that I've used through freelancing, through my, most of my career, as I've kind of refined it and tweaked it to get me the jobs that I want. Uh, like I said, topendevs.com slash resume will get you that. And uh, you can just kind of use the formatting. It comes in Word and Pages formats, and you can just fill it in from there. So, uh, Johnny, why don't you get us started? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into development, how you get into .NET, uh, what kind of things you work on? Yeah, sure. So um, I started uh, getting into development back at school. So when I was about 16, obviously we have, the, we have different things here. So I'm not, I think that's the high school. Yep, right. Yep. Yeah. And started doing like uh, computer science and computing at school. Started learning VB6. Really enjoyed it. Went on to do computer science at university and then ended up being a developer full time. So about 15 years ago. Started off with Java. Thought it was great. Didn't understand why people did .NET. <laughs> then started dabbling a little bit of .NET at work. Understood why people did .NET. Didn't understand why people stuck with Java. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I had the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially those early days of Java that you know, just really yeah. struggled with all yeah. the virtual machine things that you had to have installed to get things working there. Yeah. Beans and like. Yeah. And I, 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 I reminiscent of like no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, all, I get flashbacks now with anything to do with Node and like mm -hmm. kind of like Node virtual machines. I'm like, no, what's going on? But yeah, no, I then switched to .NET about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so full time. And uh, stuck with it ever since. Yeah. Cool. Okay. What kind of things do you typically uh, build in, in .NET? So more recently, mostly APIs and sort of microservices or backend services, like pure backend dev for the last five years or so. Before that, was a bit more full stack. I never really enjoyed doing front end. And so I took a backend job and was like, oh, yeah, no, this, is, this feels much more natural until Blazor came along. Yeah, and I can get back to the front end. <laughs> well, us front end people, we're a little weird. I, I'll openly admit that. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people that started out early in the .NET days were full stack developers. Mm -hmm. You know, there really wasn't too much yes. you know, people, people that could specialize in front end and back end and things yeah. like that. So you kind of yeah. had to know everything. Yeah, especially those early ASP.NET days or classic ASP days, especially as well. Like, you know, with actually minimal JavaScript and mostly still just writing C sharp code inside HTML. And now we've gone full circle to Blazor. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, yeah, it is. It, oh, I love Blazer. I was listening to your uh, episodes with Chris Sainty. Um, oh, yeah. And I was just like, I actually ended up going to buy his book. Because <laughs> I was like, yeah, actually, I need to find all the things I don't know about Blazer that he's clearly spent a lot of time writing. It's uh, it's um, a really good book. Yeah, so I, I have it myself and have mm. have used it to spend up some of my lunch and learns at work. So yeah, it's good stuff. Nice. Yeah. 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 So I think today okay. we're going to talk about minimal APIs and BFFs. And I'm assuming mm-hmm. this is not your mm-hmm. best friend forever BFF, right? <laughs> no, but, but there are a few BFFs when talking about <laughs> BFFs. Um, there you go. Mostly. Don't have minimal APIs and darker are BFFs. Yeah, no, yeah, so let's, BFFs or backend. Yeah, back start, start, yeah. start us with what BFF is, or, you know, I've also referred to yeah. it as beefy, B-E-F-E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it seems to have a few few different uh, acronyms. So, yeah, BFF or backend for frontend is basically a, a little application that will sit in front of uh, several APIs or, or a single API and gives you a, a, a sort of an interface for your front end to talk to it for several reasons. So you might have an old API that you're trying to retire and you have a brand new API and your BFF will mimic your old API, but actually be talking to your new API and do a sort of translation in between. But equally, you could have the BFF being a GraphQL API and that GraphQL API is actually just talking to a bunch of REST APIs as so you can sort of translate between different APIs. And I think something that, when people start doing BFS, they kind of go, "Oh, it's a backend thing." Like, "Oh, backend developers need to build it." No, get your front, get your front end devs to build them. They know what they want. Backend APIs are there. Front end devs know exactly what they want. They can build it for you, and they can build it in whatever technology they want. And then you've they've got full control over it. And it's for you as a backend developer. It's just another client to your API. Is it kind of an adapter? So, um, yeah. In if it's, it's in like hexagonal architecture terms, it would be kind of an adapter. It's possibly a little bit outside of that architecture, though. So it's a little more sitting on on the edge, on the boundary. And I would probably say that you'd normally deploy it separately and scale it as you need it, especially in sort of cloud terms. So, but you could you could equally have it as an adapter that just calls into calls into your system. Or in microservice architecture, it kind of be would be the API gateway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think it's it's used to describe a number of things because I know that to Winday also has BFF as part of identity server for like Blazor or Spas mm. that handles some of that, the security mm-hmm. and have uh, an abstraction or an adapter, right? To make sure they're more secure. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not a term I heard a lot before the last year or two, but now it seems to be mm-hmm. much more ubiquitous right so yeah i mean i i started i started using them right at the start of my last my last job actually so late no sorry early 2018 um, okay. and they were already building some bffs in python and that was and that was the transit that was an api transition style uh, bff they had one service that had the old api and they wanted to move the api to a new service but updating their mobile clients especially was hard work so obviously people actually need to physically go and update their app so they could decommission the old API, they build BFF in front of the new one, and then allow that those those people to update their apps in time. And as we saw the traffic drop off going to the BFF, we can kind of go, right, now we can get rid of it. We never actually got that to that point. We never got rid of it. It's still there. <laughs> people don't update their apps. But uh yeah, so that that was that was that was my first sort of usage of it. 
And before we move on to minimal APIs, Sean got me thinking, if you're listening to this podcast, let us know on Twitter whether you prefer BFF or Beefy, because I kind of like Beefy. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I forgot about Beefy, actually. I remember now. It was in a, when someone just did like a lunch and learn on BFS at work. And they kind of did like all the different acronyms and Beefy was in there. I completely forgot about Beefy. <laughs> and it has all the right letters as well, right. which makes me happy. So is the reason for to having a back end for front end, is it just when you're trying to switch from an old version of something to a new version? Or is there some, a reason to have a have that for a Greenfield application? I think the Greenfield, I, I, I think there's sort of limited usages for it. But it's something to just bear in mind. Like, it's always something you've got there. And it might be that actually a Greenfield application needs to borrow from other applications. And you might not be, you know, you might be starting off and kind of go, right, we've got one API out in our Greenfield. But actually, to make this kind of workable and usable, we need to borrow something from somewhere else as well. So let's spin up a BFF and chuck it in there and, until we actually expand out. Maybe supplementing data from like a third party that you're kind of like, we will do this ourselves eventually. But right now, let's let's actually just hand that off. And it's best practice to have your 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 backend for front end uh, pretty lightweight. It's just basically kind of a pass through to something behind it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, realistically, probably shouldn't have. I mean, other than a cache, which I'll see be pretty useful for performance, there shouldn't really be much data being stored in it. It should just be passing through requests. And sometimes it might have to, as um, Caleb said earlier about authentication and stuff, it might have to do like something along those lines, but certainly shouldn't be like a full-blown like application with lots of data is being stored. It's going to be pretty lightweight. Okay. So then how does that fit into using minimal APIs? You know, minimal APIs are, are really new to .NET. So first, mm. Get, mm. get us started with those that haven't been on the latest .NET versions to be able to, to take advantage of minimal APIs. What are those and why are they better than controllers and other endpoints that we that we're used to. Yeah, cool. So minimal APIs are obviously new to .NET and came out in .NET 6, but they've actually been around in other like languages for quite a while. And I always kind of get poked by that by my friends who do JavaScript because like, oh, Node's had this for ages. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. But we did, we got it now, so we're now happy. And the same with Python. So like you've got Node.js is just standard like routing and in Python, you've got Flask. And it's that kind of very lightweight, you have a single line that defines an endpoint and then a function that actually does something. And in .NET 6, this was brought in at the same time as the really lightweight program.cs templates, which have nothing. Like there's no there's no braces anywhere. It's like straight in, there's no public static void main args. It's just like you're straight into the code. And so you can kind of go straight in and you just kind of go, you have to start host. So you do like the, the .NET, well, from .NET Core onwards, wasn't it? It was the host builder. And you just kind of do like app.get and then your URI. And then it takes a function. And that function honest, is your code. Minimal APIs in .NET, right? I haven't used them, but I've spun them up. And looking at it, I'm like, this is just weird. It's all just in program.cs. <laughs> they're just one-liners. I'm like, how can you even use this, right? But, uh, but of course, you know, <laughs> I'm coming from the... So the old school way, right? So yeah, and that's that's really and that's thing that's a really good segue into like why do this rather than controllers? And the, for one thing is you don't have all the ceremony around controllers, kind of like so like the root part of control, you know, control attributes of the annotating the controller, kind of going this is the root, and then annotating HTTP get, and this is the thing. You don't have any of that ceremony. You don't have any additional classes. 
it's just you just straight in. And it promotes the use of thin controllers over fat controllers. Mm-hmm. You know, your controllers should have no logic. They are yep. they should be on the outside of your application. They should be tested end to end, but not like you shouldn't be unit testing your controllers. You shouldn't be doing anything. And so .NET middle APIs is as soon as that sort of program.cs is getting too big, you probably your you middle API case is gone then. But start using controllers. You, you've gone past it. But if you can keep those like one liners of kind of like get this, get users, and then you just kind of go lambda expression, query process, or which we'll get onto in a bit. Query, get you know, execute query, get users, and then there's one line and it just returns that straight back out again into a resource. And you can, you still got all the, you can still inject things into it. So you can, you still got all the dependency injection framework you've got there, but you've got no constructor. You've got no bulky methods. You've got no annotations. It's very clean and as the name suggests, lightweight. <laughs> so when you're doing a minimal API, Using back end for front end. Like you said, if, if your program CS is getting too long, then it's really not minimal anymore. But what is mm. your, what's your, I guess your, what's your max or where you're trying to do this adapter to your old stuff with a minimal set of APIs? When have you gone off the rails? Maybe isn't the right term, but, but it's no longer meeting those criteria from a, from, you know, a production standpoint, right? You want to keep it simple. So I think, I think the realistically, there is actually no max. It's mm-hmm. kind of like actually how you then divide up what APIs are in each one. Okay. So let's say that you, you, you're actually, you've got quite a wide API service that you need to cover with your BFF. Well, maybe actually certain subset of those APIs get used a lot more than others. So actually that might be a separate application that you can scale out horizontally. And the others kind of just sit there and maybe like one, one container, two containers, whereas the other might scale out to several containers. So actually it's kind of like maybe not, not that a BFF is not appropriate. It's just how much you're putting into each BFF. It becomes your, comes your criteria. Gotcha. Okay. And that's just, yeah, down to you knowing your application. Cool. So something you've used and it seems like you use this a good bit is called a darker. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about it and its counterpart, Brighter? Darker and Brighter. There you go. That's, that's Yeah, of that's course. Very, yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's it in Cooper's uh, naming conventions there. So going back again to what Chris was saying about CQRS, and he was saying that I recently looked, been looking at CQRS and Mediator. Mm. So Brighter and Darker are actually break that apart and brighter as the command side for CQRS and darker as the query side of CQRS. And if anyone hasn't listened to those episodes, CQRS is command query responsibility segregation Mm -hmm. and breaking apart the things that do things from the things that fetch things. And that's the the split between brighter and darker. Brighter does things and darker fetches things. And brighter is also actually a, a lot bigger. It's Brighter is best described as like mediator plus end service bus or mass transit or any of the other like external bus style libraries. So it can be just used in process on its own. And that's, that's absolutely fine. But it also can be used to send out to Azure, AWS, SMS, SQS, Kafka, Rabbit, all those as well. So actually doing sort of event driven architectures as well. So it can be actually expanded. Um, but Darker is very simple and is very much like mediator in that you say, I have a query and I want to execute that query and I want to get something back. 
and essentially it does that. It does it in a pipeline so you can wrap the handling of that query with like log extra logging or caching or anything else and basically build up a pipeline of things that execute as they go in and then they come back out again. So could you give this without without giving you don't have to give away any trade secrets or any company stuff. But what's an what's an example where you have done this for one of your projects? So basically all of our microservices normally had a set of APIs in front of them and you obviously have like put post delete APIs and they would all trigger commands with brighter and then darker would be then used to on all the get APIs and then basically darker the what got returned by darker would be what we call query models so they'd be diff, technically different from our actual entities whereas brighter would be dealing with actually fetching our entities updating them saving them deleting them etc and so it's literally that sort of CQRS style of just changing changing data fetching data Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood. I'm excited because I wanted to let you know about this thing that I pulled together that I had just, I've been dying to have this for years and I never felt like I could. And then I just realized that there's no reason why I can't. So um, I'm putting together a book club and we're going to read development focused books, career books, you know, uh, technical books, whatever. The first book that we're going to do is going to be Clean Architecture by Uncle Bob Martin. If you're not familiar with Clean Code, or some of the other stuff that Bob has done. Check that out. I've also talked to him on the Clean Coders podcast, which is on Top End Devs. But uh, yeah, we're going to get on. He's going to show up to some of our meetings. And what I'm thinking is we'll probably have like five or six people uh, part of the conversation along with Bob and I at the same time. And we'll just, uh, so somebody can come on, they can ask their question, and then we'll just ro- rotate people through. So we'll we'll mute one person, unmute another person when it's their turn to come on and, and be part of the discussion. So we'll do that for like an hour, hour and a half. And then the other part of it that I'm putting together is just kind of a meet and greet gather area on Gather Town. And so after the the meetup and the call, what we'll do is we'll all go over to Gather Town and you can just log in, walk up to a group and have a conversation. And that way we can all kind of get to know each other and and make friends and, and get to know people across the world. Uh, one thing that I'm finding is that, yeah, the meetups are starting to come back, but a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go to a meetup. And I really want to meet you guys and talk to you. So we're going to put all that together. It'll all be part of that book club. You can go to topendevs.com slash book club to be part of it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there. The first book club meeting will be in December, the beginning of December. We're starting the first week of December. and um, you'll also be part of the conversation about which book we do next. I have one in mind, but I want to see where everybody's at. So there you go. With Darker, right, like you said, there there definitely seem to be some similarities to Mediator. Like it's got an iQuery, iQuery handler. But something I noticed in your post is it's got some attributes, result converter. Yes. And that and that was different for me. What is what's the intent of that, or, or what does it give you uh, when using Darker? So yeah, so um, I haven't used Mediator that much, so I may be wrong here, but I'm fairly sure that when you configure stuff in Mediator in that sort of pipeline, every single call you do in Mediator goes through that same pipeline. The attributes that we use in Darker are actually per handler, so you can it is a choice for you to put it in there. And so, like for example, in the example in, in my post about the result converter, I'm using it as a co- concept of the old API just returned 200s. Everything was a 200. In the new API, it was 200, 201, 202, depending. You know, 
depending on what the circumstance was. So that result conversion was kind of going rather than every single query handler kind of going, right, now I need to convert my 2xx response to 200. I'm just going to have an attribute on the top that basically kind of goes, take in the the output from my handler and do the correct conversion. And then it's just then a one line a one line annotation on your on your method rather than having to duplicate that code over and over and over again. But equally, if you don't want to do that somewhere, you just leave it off rather than having to create an entirely new pipeline for that purpose. Okay. Yep. One of the projects I worked on recently uh, was using Mediator, and it was already there when I first you know came into the project, and you know had some familiarity with it, but never used it, and it took me. I don't, it was just so confusing yeah. when I first started, you know, trying to figure out where is the flow of data, where's the processing going from here to here to here, because you know the request came in, and it's like, okay, now where did it go? It's like because you're know, trying to tra- trace down references and things like that, and it's like, no, it's you can't just do it that way, you know. It's yeah. it hands off through the pipelines and so on and so forth. So because I'm so old school on on my mental processing i still have a, a 486 for a brain or something like that uh, it, it took me a little while to take to get the grasp of you know how that thing was working but it, it is cool you know once you get that kind of structure down it's it is very handy so it's good that uh, Tom, jimmy bogart came out with that you're not the only one right <laughs> i think we've, we've talked about this in a previous episode and i said meteor is great if you're disciplined and use it the right way but if you don't, it can really bite you in the, yes. you know, in, in, in the ass for lack yes. of a better term, right? And you're like, you're like, don't let Jimmy hear that. It, it won't, right? It's not Jimmy. It's how you're using it. <laughs> and we're using it at my work on some of our APIs, but it wasn't used the right way. And so on top of the complexity or the confusion with media in general, not using it the right way makes it worse. So I ended up having to do a lunch and learn where I brought everybody in and said, okay, you want to get to this, right? You want to start from the beginning and find out the data you're returning and how it's, and I had to step them through, okay, here's your filter query and then here's your result head and here's your query handler. And here's, and after an hour, they're like, oh, okay. So now we know how to get to what we need to. All right. Without that, yeah, you're, you're kind of fumbling around the dark. So, yeah. And I think Jimmy, knowing from, from blog posts I've seen and Reddit posts I've seen of his, he'd be the first one to admit that it'd be like, yeah, if you if you do it wrong, then yeah, you're going to cause yourself a world of pain. I can't help that. All I can do yeah, is explain okay. how you should do it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So with your result converter, I noticed you're doing, and and you mentioned this, right? You you may want to return something other than a 200. You're doing created responses yeah. and accepted responses and an okay re- response or result, and you're using a switch, which I find. Honestly, it's smart. So with that, with your result converter, you're then using a switch to determine which result type to return, right? Okay, got you. Cool. Yeah. That, yeah, that, I mean, that's, you a lot I mean, more that's largely also thanks. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and the, it's the new style switch as well. Like the right. new style switch gives you so much flexibility in that because yeah. you don't have to put it in every case. It is a lot more terse in the yes. amount of code you have to write. And you can just do wildcards and discards and kind of go, actually, they will only care about the two XX ones. Anything else, just just pass it straight through. Um, so it gives you a really, I, I kind of went for a bit more in-depth ones for the demonstration, but like new star switch gives you so much flexibility with that. And I, I, yeah. I, I use them, I end up using them a lot 
it's something I haven't used a whole lot up to this point. But like you said, yeah, you look at one and they're like, man, that's clean. So, yeah. So how do we put it all together? We we start out with minimal APIs. We've got back end for front end. We've got brighter and darker, all that kind of stuff. What's kind of the use case? You know, the simple, this is how you use it. Put it all together to come up with something. Yes, I mean, I think actually the, the one of the easiest ways to do it, like you're sort of like playing around with this is is something like a third party API, like a weather API or something like that. Mm. You want to you want to bring in your own sort of like thing into let's say a Blazor application, and so you know you you don't need that many endpoints for it. It's basically going to be probably a few gets to get you know like weather for a city or weather for an area or something like that. So you write rent a minimal APIs, and then you you write your darker query handlers to actually then go off and call that third party API, and then bring back the data, form it into a, into a response type that you want for your application. That maybe especially like weather APIs, they're really detailed, a lot a lot of information in there, and you just want to cut it down to like I want the temperature, <laughs> not not wind speed and humidity. I just want the temperature, and then so you just in that query handler you. Use an HTTP client, you make call out third party API, bring it back, and then you just turn convert that into response. Your darker handler returns, takes in one type of object and returns another. So you create your return type, which would be like, you know, temperature or, or just a property called temperature. You set the value, kick it back out, and then in the back in the minimal API, you just go return OK and then the result of your query, and then you're done. And then let .NET handle the rest. Yeah, looking at your program.cs, so I, I've read your your article, right? And some of it made sense to me, and some of it didn't, because because I haven't I haven't really delved into this. But now looking at your old API, and I'm using quotes, right? Because you're using a new and old, because like you said, you're using yeah. Open Weather as kind of a test. But I, yes. I get it now. You got the app.map get, which is your mental API. You're you're doing the route of yeah. weather. You're passing in information from the query, but then you also have a from services, which is, I'm assuming, yes. a dependency injection to inject your iQuery processor, yes. which allows Darker to pick it up and then process it based on whether it's the old or the new, right? How it needs to handle it. Exactly. Very cool. Okay. Very cool. See, I, I yeah. I so that's the, the from service. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The front services bit is the is the weird one. That's the one that normally catches people out with yeah. minimal APIs because that is you, you because you have no constructor, right. you have no way of injecting things per thing. So yeah, they provided a little uh, a parameter attribute for you to actually inject things into each into each call. So it doesn't it's not even every single one. You can change that. Could be a different one per. Permanent API. Very cool. Yeah, I can see how this would be really useful. Maybe not where I'm working, <laughs> because we've got a lot of old stuff and very little new. Yeah. But no, it's uh, I like it. Yeah, very cool. It's definitely it's a tool to have in the toolbox. Like yes. you kind of go, oh, actually, like especially uh, Alter New is actually a really good one as well. Like if you've got an old monolith. Hmm. And you want to break, and you got to the point where you're going, right, actually, no, we need to break this up now. We've got, you know, teams expanding, the number of features expanding. This is not, this is not working anymore. Let's break it up. Yeah. You can still, you can use that sort of BFF to kind of go, right, well, we'll put BFF out. And then as we move new APIs out to their services, the old, the BFF is still there and it'll either direct us back to the monolith or direct to our new services. 
And then once everything's sorted and the monolith has been broken apart completely, we can then remove the BFF and our new APIs will, will handle it. But until then, we don't really want to start routing stuff either like at the infrastructure level, which I've seen, sort of like, right. especially if you're, you're running on older stuff, you're running actually in IIS and having to do rewrite rules yes. with like, why new services, like this API goes to this new service, this API stays here, this one goes to this new service, and your rewrite rules go, and grow and grow and grow. Having a single service where you can kind of go in and look at that and go, oh, that's where. It's, uh, it's interesting you mentioned IIS, because I know uh, Sean still deals with that some with web forms. In, in his still side yeah, job, we're not sure what to call it. Yeah, <laughs> but we deal with it a lot still too. We actually just got the okay to start moving towards the cloud. And when we heard that, we started talking, oh, so what are we going to do first? Are we going to do blob storage? Are we going to look at functions? Oh, we need to do some logic apps. Oh, key vault's an easy one. We only need to, you know, right? We're <laughs> we're going down that, but, but now we're in the position where we have to pick one and all agree and determine how we're going to do it, right? Uh, but yeah. Ah, yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's a, it's a piece of work. <laughs> so I, I started a new job back at the end of June. So I've only been there yeah. for five months now. Yeah. And I came from an AWS world where we had EC2 instances, okay. running Windows, running IIS, change job, Azure, yeah. or Azure, yeah. depending on whether you're British or American, <laughs> um, and r- running app services, which if you... Deep, deep, deep down, right. it is a Windows VM somewhere in right. a data center running IIS, but you don't see any of that. Mm-hmm. You just have a console. And jumping from those two, it's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what happened here? <laughs> Where, why can't I just go and like restart my app pool? Right. Oh, I can. I just need to do it at the right level in the console. And it's quite weird. It's like, oh, how, how, where do I get my logs? Yeah. Oh, they're in application insights That's over there. Cool. Like, oh. It's a huge, huge leap. But yeah. once you do make it, it's kind of like, this is really, really nice. Yeah, right. It definitely simplifies a lot of things until you get to the point where you don't need that simplification. You've got an edge case or a weird buck, and it's not being caught in logging. And like you said, you can't. and then you got to figure out how to dig in. But for 98, 99% of the time, it's like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've been there recently um, yeah. with a function app. Oh, yeah. was not pay- It was so painful. <laughs> but yeah, got there in the end. But uh, yeah, but they do, they've got a lot of tools. So you can actually fire up a PowerShell terminal that's on the, running on the, on that box. And you can actually then actually use PowerShell to go and actually run things or debug things from within the app, app service itself, which is an yeah. uh, absolute lifesaver. Um, but yeah, it, 100% you can get into those issues. So is is .NET 7 going to change anything that we've talked about today? Gonna say not as far as I've seen. I, to be honest, I've not had time to really swat up on .NET 7. Uh, starting a new job is just like information. <laughs> yeah, I've recently started um, a new job too, so I totally relate. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously being non a non-LTS, non-long-term support version of .NET, I don't think they were going huge on the new feature branch, uh, new features and stuff. I know performance has improved, especially in um, around JSON parsing, the system text JSON now just outstrips Newtonsoft by seven times or something in serialization and deserialization. Like yeah. that's but yeah, not for minimal APIs as far as I'm aware they've not done anything groundbreaking. I think they're still waiting for people to kind of adopt it a bit more and actually give their feedback on it. Cool. I mean my feedback is just two thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. 
Nice one, Microsoft. <laughs> little bit well done for catching up, but well done. Well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they've been on a roll for like the what, past three or four or five years. They just, once they yeah. made the decision to move away from that framework, been like, yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And it, it does, there's that slight iffy mm-hmm. period around .NET Core 2 and .NET like, between 1.1. It's like, are they going to stick with this? Are they actually going to put their support behind it? And then they did. It's like, Right. Yep. We're good. We're good. <laughs> well, listen, Donut 5 is kind of like the third release to me in my mind. It's always Microsoft. Mm. You know, the third release is usually the best. You, you had Donut mm. Core 2, yeah. Donut Core 3, and then now Donut 5. <laughs> That's where, okay, yeah. now I can use it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I feel they kind of just wanted to get to the point where they got past four yeah. so they could drop the core and like, we just need to get there. We just need to get there and call it dot net. <laughs> do, do you know what's so funny is this is two jobs ago, but we actually started developing a new application with dot net core one release candidate and angular release candidate. <laughs> the replacement right, for too. Angular Jess. It was Angular One. The original. Right? Yeah. And or Angular two version one or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we were, we were like, we're right at there. We don't want to all use old stuff. So yeah, we started and and yeah. it worked. But yeah, it's, it's come a long way. Yeah, and, and the Microsoft documentation I think has also mm. massively improved along with all this stuff as well. Like it's it, less and less. I'm having to go to other places to learn mm. things. I can go and read their documentation, especially learn Microsoft. That is huge. There's so much information there now. That's yeah. vastly improved from when I started learning .NET and kind of just learn everything off Stack Overflow. Okay, Johnny. So, what haven't we talked about that would be good for you know, what we're discussing? Question. I guess I mean to be honest, really, just like if, if people are interested, in it, just go and play. If you're using Mediator, give Writer and Dark a, a shot <laughs> <laughs> and uh, see, see if we can lure you away from Jimmy's world. But yeah, no, I think I think especially with minimal APIs, I think it, we're so ingrained in the controller way of doing things just just take that sort of leap of faith and kind of go do i actually need a whole class to do not very much right and especially if you're looking to get away from your fat controllers and go to thin controllers take a look at .NET mineral apis and yeah. enjoy man this is this has been a, a good discussion learning all kinds of fun things today <laughs> i think as i Listening because I think obviously when when Michaela uh, sent me an email originally, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I should go and listen to a few episodes first. <laughs> and I saw the Chris Dainty ones about Blazor. I was like, right, listen to those ones <laughs> first for sure. And then I was listening to them and just kind of going, yeah, this is really good. I'm learning a lot here, and I haven't even read, I haven't even bought his book yet. I'm learning stuff. This is great, awesome, um, good. No, so, we're, yeah. hey, we're glad to hear that. Right, we have a lot of fun doing this, but we we want to be fun and educational. So that's great. Yeah. No, keep up the good work. It's awesome. Thank you. All right, Johnny. So if our listeners have questions and they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? If you you can get up me on Twitter on at DevJohnny, so D-E-V-J-O-N-N-Y. I don't tweet a lot, but I will respond to messages and stuff. And I do check in. Equally, I'm on GitHub at the exact same uh, username, Brighter and Darker Forums. And so I'm a contributor on Brighter. So in there, we try to use the discussion boards and everything on Brighter. Again, you can tag me on there and get hold of me. Um, yeah, that's that's or on Medium. Um, yeah, on, on on my Medium posts as well. Um, again, I don't post much on Medium. It's when when I, something comes to me and I go like, I should really write this down, which is what happened with this one. Um, so yeah, any of those. Um, but I'm Dev Johnny on most things. It's usually me. All right, cool. If our listeners want to get in touch with the show, they can get in touch with me. I am on Twitter. I am at dot net superhero 
Give us some feedback. Let us know what you want to cover. And, and uh, yeah, where would you go? Yeah. If you even, if you got something to talk about on the show, want to be a guest, let us know. Yeah. And you, Caleb, where are you? Oh, yeah. Um, at Caleb Wars Coach. And it feels like forever <laughs> since I've been able to do dun 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 dun. So I, just, I had to get it in there, right? <laughs> hey. Yeah. Halloween's just over, you know? You know, had my yes. cape out, you know, it's that, that oh. superhero costume. Nobody knew who it was. So. You know, it's funny because, right, I was taking my son to school for on Halloween and he was dressed up and everything. When we got out of the car and he's like, Dad, I really wish you had dressed up. And I'm like, well, son, I am dressed up as a software architect. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Excellent. Yeah, because obviously we're, tonight over here is, is fireworks night, or so we run from Halloween straight into fireworks night, oh, which is yeah. a celebration of the gunpowder plot. I have no idea if anyone actually outside the UK That's knows cool. what that is. Okay, no. but, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, we've got so we have a yeah we've, celebration over here. We've got our US elections here coming in a couple of days so oh, i, I, I wish us. i could uh yeah. look into the future you know this show will, will come out after the elections are over so i wish i could let everybody know yeah how it went but uh i can't do that but i do know <laughs> that i'm gonna win 1.6 billion dollars tonight so in in okay. the lottery so <laughs> powerball sean if that happens can i get a million or two can you, can you hook a brother up <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. Okay, let's move into picks. Have you ever wished that you had a group of people that were just as passionate about writing code as you are? I know I did. I did that for most of my career. I'd go to the meetups. I'd try and create other opportunities. And it was just really hard, right? The meetups, I got some of that, but they were only like once or twice a month. And it was just really hard to find that group of people that I connected with and, and really wanted to, you know, talk about code a lot, right? I mean, I love writing code. I think it's the best. And so I've decided to create this community and create it a, a worldwide community that we can all jump in and do it. So we're going to have two workshops every week. One of those or two of those every month are going to be Q&A calls, right, where you can get on, you can ask me or me and another expert questions. Uh, the rest of them are going to be focused on different aspects of career or programming or things like that, right? So it'll go anywhere from like deployments and containers all the way up to managing your 401k and negotiating your benefits package. Well, we'll cover all of it, okay? And then we're also going to have meetups every month for your particular technology area. So we have shows about JavaScript, React, Angular, Vue, and so on. We're going to have meetups for all of those things. I'm going to revive the freelancer show. We'll have one about that, right? So you can get started freelancing or continue freelancing if that's where you're at. And I'm working on finding authors who can actually do weekly video tutorials on something for 10 minutes that's related, to, again, to those technology areas so that you can stay current and keep growing. So if you're interested, go to topendevs.com slash sign up and you can get in right now for $39. When we're done, that price is going to go up to $75. And the $39 price gets you access to two calls per week. The, the full price at $150, which is going to be $75 over the next few weeks, that price is going to get you access to all of the calls and all of the tutorials and everything else that we put out from Top End Devs along with member pricing for our remote conferences that are coming up next year. So go check it out, topendevs.com slash sign up. Caleb, yep. what's your pick? So my pick is uh, one of the new, fairly new shows on Amazon, and it's called The Peripheral. And I was aware of the book, never read it, but you know I saw the trailers. 
and don't go into this thinking too much, right? It's it's an action adventure type thing, right? I mean, yeah, there's there there's some interesting stuff there, but I think it's well done and it's got a good cast and it's uh I'm enjoying it. So the peripheral. All right, cool. Nice. All right. Johnny, what do you want to have for your pick? More picks. Yeah, so I was gonna I was gonna uh, do uh, one of my favorite bands, which is Sabaton which is a Swedish heavy metal band that sing songs about history. So all their songs are sort of based in history. Mostly it's sort of like their last two albums were both about World War One, And they, they find amazing stories that like most people just don't know about and make songs about them. They're, you know, they're, they basically talk about them. last year they released a song about the Christmas truce in World War One, uh, oh, which is an yeah. amazing, amazing song. Yeah. So, was, um, so yeah, that's uh, Sabaton would definitely be my, my, my pick. All right, cool. I got a couple of picks today, but uh, they're kind of related. So, you know, it's kind of like one and a half picks. So uh, they're also Visual Studio extensions. So Mads Christensen, a uh, past guest on the show, uh, came out with uh, a recent extension called Rainbow Braces. And you think, you know, I don't really need that. I've got bracket colorizer or, you know, when I select a certain bracket, it's going to highlight the matching one. But it is so handy to have every matching pair be different colors of the rainbow that you can pick that this this extension is really handy and related to this one and kind of where he got the idea is an extension called viasphora and it viasphora has the rainbow braces in it but it also does other uh, keyword highlighting xml improvements and even telemetry type stuff so if you just want uh rainbow braces check out mad's extension for that but if you want something that's a little bit more uh check out VS4 and uh, they're both in the Visual Studio marketplace for extensions. So uh, they're they're all easy nice. to find. So check those out. Oh, awesome. All right. I say I'm a, I'm a Rider user. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. yep. I tried it. Yep. I tried. I've been trying to, <laughs> to come up to speed with it and I just haven't had enough time to to go in there. So I'm just, I'm just, it felt like coming home, coming from Java. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like, I just don't want to pay for the subscription. <laughs> <laughs> i've had my subscription for so many years now it gets goes a bit lower each year it doesn't go up it goes down because like the long you have it yeah, the cheaper right. it is right yeah and i've had it for so long now yeah yeah i've used cool. resharper forever and ever and yeah. that's kind of one of the reasons why i want to go to writer so i can get resharper let's out of process and a little more performant and things like that yeah but yeah once i started messing around with it and setting up the material design and trying to get everything set the way I wanted. It's like, uh, I, I still wasn't as fast. And so I had to go back to Visual Studio because that's just where my mind is right now. And so to get some projects done, I had to stay there. So, but I will give it a try again. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Johnny, for coming on the show. It was great to have you. Yeah. Good discussion. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully our listeners got a lot of good stuff out of it, just like we did. Yeah, good deal. Right. And we'll catch the listeners on the next episode of Adventures in .net. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.